0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 4 in the new series of Econ and Me. For those who are new, I've created this show in an attempt to make economics more accessible and hopefully provide listeners with a foundation of knowledge to evaluate the economy. My name is Will Haynes and I've been involved either as a student or as a teacher of economics for the past 15 years. The theme for this series is to host monthly conversations with the next generation of social scientists on some of the most topical issues facing society. I've been fortunate enough in my profession to teach a number of gifted and inspiring students and these individuals offer me plenty of hope and optimism for the future. My guest today is Elaine Drayton, who works in the education and skills sector at the Institute of Fiscal Studies. I haven't spoken to Elaine since her last day of school back in 2014, so it was lovely to catch up with her again. She had a huge amount of flair and talent as a sixth form economist and went on to gain a first class degree in economics from University College London and a distinction in her masters. Her passion for the subject has been channeled in a meaningful way under her short but successful career. After leaving university, Elaine worked as a researcher for the Early Intervention Foundation until landing a job last year with one of Britain's leading independent economic research institutes. In this episode, Elaine and I discuss how an individual's early life experience has an impact on their future economic prospects, how the UK is performing in terms of social mobility, what role can education play in helping those from disadvantaged backgrounds, and whether the pandemic has exacerbated educational inequalities. So, without further ado, here is our discussion. Right, hi, Elaine, and welcome to your first podcast. would you mind just briefly explaining to the listeners um, who you work for, what they do, and also kind of what area you specialise in?
1: Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Um, so, I work for the Institute for Fiscal Studies. Um, this is a research organisation that focuses on providing robust evidence to um, inform policy making, and it works in um, quite a few different areas of policy. Um, so covering uh, health, labor market outcomes, um, education and skills, and education and skills is the particular area that I work in. Um, so a lot of my research focuses on um, where kind of inequalities emerge in society and how we can use um, educational policies, um, early intervention policies to um, reduce these inequalities.
0: Great, excellent. So the first question I had for you was, um, how does an individual's experience or their environment when they are young have an impact on them later on in life?
1: Well, we know that what happens early on in someone's life, um, the experiences they have, the environment they grow up in, um, these can all go on to affect their outcomes later in life. Um, So family resources are an important determinant of what happens to someone later in life. So income, for instance, we can think of income affecting children as they grow up, even from the point of birth. So for instance, uh, babies that are born into low income families are more likely to be born with a low birth weight. And that in turn has been shown to lead to health problems throughout childhood. And again, this can lead to uh, lower educational attainment and ultimately lower earnings. That's just one example of um, the kind of hardship that low income families face. There's also things like uh, the additional stress that comes with living in financial hardship, and this can manifest itself in terms of um, increased levels of interparental conflict or harsher parenting. And these kinds of experiences that kids have with their growing up, again, they can go on to influence adult outcomes, for instance, um, through lower educational attainment and increased behavioural problems. Um, and so those examples are just focusing on uh, things that are happening kind of within the family, but you can kind of think of um, all these other influences that may come into play, like uh, what's happening at their school, kind of the neighbourhood they grow up in, um, even things like, uh, you know, the level of air pollution in the place that they live, all of these things uh, can come in and, and shape the, the trajectories of, of young people.
0: And and just looking at that, what what are the ones that the main kind of things that come out to you uh in your work or in the work that the IFS does that these are kind of the the like not to say n- the non-negotiables as such, but these are the clear um indicators of someone's l- outcomes later on in life.
1: Yeah. Um so kind of you know almost whatever outcome you're looking at as an adult so you know whether it's your income as an adult whether it's your health as an adult um, whether it's um, if you're engaged in criminal activity most of the time the kind of strongest predictor of poor outcomes will be uh, the level of income that your family has um, when you're growing up so that's probably one of the main ones but also kind of strongly associated with the level of income is the level of education your family has. And sometimes it's kind of difficult to disentangle what the impact, what the kind of direct impact of less income is versus the the impact of having um, lower education in the family. Great,
0: right. At the moment, um, would you be able to just describe what the current picture of social mobility like looks like in the UK and are we getting sort of movement up and down?
1: Yeah. Um, so first I'll, I'll just add in a quick definition check. Um, so when we're talking about social mobility, we're talking about um, the relationship that someone has with their parents. So whether they're better off than their parents or whether they're worse off. And in terms of social mobility in the UK, Um, that has been largely stagnant. And that kind of means that if you're born into an affluent family, when you grow up, you're more likely to retain that position. So you're more likely to have high levels of education, high levels of income. And then conversely, if you're born into a disadvantaged family, you're more likely to stay at the bottom of the income distribution, uh, have lower levels of education uh, and lower pay. And just kind of putting that into context internationally, if we look at um, um, intergenerational income mobility across countries, often if we're looking at a set of developed countries, the UK will usually come pretty low down in terms of social mobility. And it's really only comparable mostly to kind of like the US, where social mobility is also pretty low. So it's not by definition, it's
0: not like a zero-sum game as such. It's not like we have to bring people at the top down in order to, to get social mobility as long as someone has lives a better life than their parents. Than their yeah, so, that, so that's
1: quite a good point. So I think often... So there's a kind of distinction between your absolute mobility yeah. and relative mobility. So, in, so if you're speaking in absolute terms, kind of everyone can do better than their parents Um, so everyone's kind of you know for example earning more than their parents but when you're looking at relative social mobility which I think is what most of the literature and research actually focuses on is kind of um, your position in the income distribution so if your parents start off um, in the bottom 20 percent of the income distribution and say you end up in the top 20 percent of the income distribution that means someone who started off uh whose parents started off in the top of the 20 percent income distribution must have fallen down the rankings but that's not to say that kind of in absolute terms they are worse off
0: and then um in terms of how it's measured then is that is it a case of you look at what proportion of people are living a better life than their parents is that how you try and measure it
1: yeah so i think i think most of the work is focusing on income so i think that's basically looking at the earnings that children have relative to their parents um and so you can see in kind of absolute terms are they doing better off you know once adjusting for inflation and Mm. and whatnot um but alternatively you can look at their position in the income distribution um, as a measure of
0: relative social mobility and you do, do is there any work in terms of i don't well being or life satisfaction to actually you know obviously we place a lot of emphasis in terms of social mobility in income levels, but what if someone is not gaining much more income than their parents but actually living a a better life in terms of their mental health or their physical health and so forth do, is there has there been work yeah. in that?
1: I think that's an uh, I think that's an important point. Um, I think there's I haven't seen any research in that. And I'm assuming it's because um, the data is much harder to come by. So it's we have kind of good data, uh, data sources on people's income, but I think it's only kind of more recently that um, social sciences have started to look towards things like well being and mental health. So I'd expect that there's kind of much less information on parental um, well-being and mental health that you can compare to, you know, how the child is doing. So maybe in the future, um, if, you know, the the, the kind of people um, whose data we're collecting today in terms of mental health and well-being, in the future, we might be able to look at their children. Um, but, I'm, yeah, I'm guessing data limitations is kind of the main issue there.
0: Yeah. And in, if you had to say, like, an ideal point we want to get to in terms of social mobility like can can we actually kind of put a finger on it can we say these are the countries that do well and this, this is this is sort of what you know this is what they do in terms of social mobility
1: yeah so I think that's that is quite um a good question because you know social mobility is often um put up quite high priority in terms of policies but no one really talks about what what an ideal is I think it is slightly difficult to think of an ideal because it's I think most people agree that you know low social mobility is not desirable but once you uh try and pinpoint you know an exact level of social mobility um kind of inevitably at, at least if you're talking in terms of um relative social mobility that kind of does involve people moving down the income distribution as well as up but I think if instead you, if you frame it in terms of um, equality of opportunity, then I think more people can kind of get behind the idea. So I think more people can kind of agree on um, an ideal situation where everyone has the same opportunities and the same chances of success, um, rather than kind of um, striving to, for some point of perfect point of social mobility
0: so you've done quite a lot of work, um, I believe, in terms of education and its role, it can have an uh, improving social mobility. Um, would you mind just saying kind of what role education can play and that, whether that be, you know, primary, secondary, even university education can play in trying to improve social mobility?
1: Yeah. Um, so we know that, well, the research tells us that there's, you know, quite strong links between educational attainment, and then your later in life outcomes. And that kind of suggests that if we focus on improving the attainment of disadvantaged kids, then we could help achieve social mobility. And these kind of educational gaps that we see between kids from different income backgrounds there they exist at all the different points along education system. So, you know, from the early years, all the way up to university. And that, um, again, suggests that there is a role to be played um, at each of these educational stages. And some of the evidence on um, how higher educational attainment can improve outcomes. uh, For instance, we know that achieving an undergraduate degree gives high monetary returns. So, In the UK, on average, um, an undergraduate can expect to earn around £135,000 more over their lifetime compared to someone who doesn't go to university. And the benefits of education are not just limited to your financial outcomes. Um, We also see higher education is associated with, um, for instance, lower levels of teenage pregnancy, um, improved physical and mental health, so again, this all suggests that um, education and helping, helping kids achieve a good level of education can be a kind of pathway towards social mobility. Um, I think saying that there are, education is perhaps um, necessary but not sufficient for achieving social mobility, because um, there are instances where uh, even children with same level of education are still having different outcomes so for instance um, even people with the same degree from the same university we often see that children from more disadvantaged backgrounds are still having lower earnings than children from more affluent backgrounds and I think there's kind of less research in this area but you can, you, you can kind of think about um, different things that might be going on here. Before beyond purely um, educational differences so for instance um, it could be lower geographical mobility of poorer students um, so for instance they may not be able to move to areas which have um, higher paying jobs and, and more opportunities so I think um, education is definitely a, a very important part but it's probably not, um, not all of it. And I know
0: you're not a uh an expert when it comes to the UK school system but I wondered at the moment um would you be able to comment on and just say like is the school system at the moment in the UK is it helping or is it hindering social mobility and what does is there any evidence to support this
1: yeah um well I think just kind of on the on the last point I think We know that education is a very it's a very important tool towards helping people succeed in life and obviously schools are where children get educated so um it can be it can be very useful for children um in terms of moving up in and moving up in terms of social mobility um that said there are certainly issues that have been highlighted in the school system so for instance there's quite a lot of variability in the quality of schools. Um, so depending on where you live, you may have access to better schools uh, or worse schools. And this isn't just kind of you know the luck of the draw. Um, we find that systematically children from poorer neighborhoods have access to poorer schools, whereas children from more affluent neighborhoods have access to better schools, um, and in fact, there's a very tight correlation between house prices and school quality. So, if you have that kind of um, dynamic going on, you can see how existing inequalities that may exist um, are kind of exacerbated by the school system. If we see these differences um, in school quality,
0: has uh, I'm, I'm probably going to ask a question you might not know the answer to, but ha- have there any been any like radical solutions to this that you've come across because I I, I mean I'm just going to throw one on the table and things like um, having a lottery system um, when it comes to um, yeah when it when it when it comes to accepting students uh, into school so just because you live in a certain catchment area doesn't necessarily mean that you go to that school it's actually more of a lottery system whereby everyone's got equal opportunity uh, well because whether you can look at it like yeah. that, whether everyone's <laughs> got equal opportunity um, to gain a place at a certain school. Have, have you come across that much in your work?
1: Um, so uh, that system doesn't exist in the UK and it hasn't mm. been trialed in the UK to my knowledge, but um, I know that in the US they have a system of, uh, they've had a system of kind of schooling vouchers, which does um, kind of what you described. So, so children have the opportunity um, to not necessarily go to their local school but to go to these uh, higher achieving schools and also I think in uh, in some other lesser developed countries um, they've trialed this system as well and I think they have had um, positive impacts for the children who are going to these schools. Um, a, a linked policy um, that I'm aware of is um, so again in the US there there has been a trial that involved um subsidizing the housing for low-income families to move to more affluent areas so you're kind of going a step further rather than just going to a different school you're moving to a whole different neighborhood um, and therefore having access to a different school and that has shown um very positive effects on educational attainment for the low-income students who were moving into those neighborhoods great excellent and
0: um according to the research um, either that you've done or you've come across at work. Um, what are the best forms of intervention for children or young people to try and improve social mobility?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess the problem is kind of twofold. So it's um, firstly, your, your educational success is um, determined by your family background to a large extent. And then even conditional on achieving a certain level of educational success, there are still certain barriers um, that disadvantaged students face. So I think um, you know successful interventions will will try and cover um, those range of issues. So on the on the first one, um, focusing on kind of educational uh, education based solutions, um, we know that uh, teaching quality is a very important determinant of educational outcomes. Um, So that suggests that policies around, for instance, um, attracting and retaining the most talented teachers could have um, beneficial impacts on um, raising educational attainment. Uh, And you can think of that kind of, you know, happening across the board in schools. Um, There are also some kind of other resourcing-based um, interventions, like uh, reducing class sizes that, uh, that have been shown to be effective at um, improving school attainment. Um, and then there's also um, a number of policies that involve targeting resources kind of more specifically at low-income students and, and at an early age, because we know that um, Gaps emerge between low income students and more affluent kids very early on. So there's good evidence that um, a high quality preschool education can help um, poorer students catch up to their more affluent peers even before they they start school. Um, And there are other kind of early interventions like um, children's centers, which are kind of centers in the community that provide support and advice to expectant mothers and parents with young children. And these children centers have been shown to improve the health and educational outcomes of young children, which again um, goes on to have beneficial impacts throughout their education uh, and ultimately in the labor market. So yeah, so those are a couple of kind of um, education based policies, um, but it also seems that we need to Think a bit beyond um, education as well and think about um, some of the barriers that students are facing in the labour market. So for instance, um, whether once students have graduated, they can afford to take on a low-paid internship um, that will help their career, or even if um, you know, if if low-income kids have kind of the luxury of taking the time to job search and find you know, the best job for them, or whether um, because they don't have much of a financial security net, they have to, you know, snap up a job really quickly.
0: Um, I don't, I don't sound pessimistic here because I am normally an optimistic person. But do you, do you ever find in 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 the research that you do, or, or or just your general work, that young people's lives are so complex, and their households, let's say, are so complex? that it's very hard to identify certain things to focus on because a lot of these things are so interconnected. Um, And yeah, uh, I mean, uh, is is there sometimes some like problems in just the research itself and some barriers to the research itself that it's hard to even try and pin down what actually is going to support someone in terms of moving up the, the income scale?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, what the, what the research really highlights is um, pupils, you know, students who are disadvantaged, they're not just disadvantaged in one type of dimension, they're, they're, facing, they're facing difficulties um, in many areas of their lives. And so sometimes it, it kind of feels like, um, you know, where do you start? And if you kind of tackle one issue, um are other issues going to prevent um the intervention being effective um, i definitely think that some of the some of the interventions where um research has shown the biggest effects are kind of um quite intensive and uh, potentially involve um you know a whole family approach so mm. so one example is um from the u.s they have the family nurse partnership, which is um, kind of health visitors coming and visiting um, expectant mothers, and they receive these regular visits, uh, you know, from the time that they become pregnant till the child becomes around two years old, and these, um, and these nurses are, you know, that they're not offering the same service for everyone, they're trying to uh, meet the needs of the specific family. Um, And that has been shown to be very effective. Um, you know, I think, or I also think something that kind of overshadows everything as well is, um, the level of income that these families have and, um, you know, time and time again, income is just kind of cropping up as, Mm. um, one of the strongest predictors of, um, poor outcomes. So, I think you know at the same time of the uh, as you're implementing these educational interventions, you probably need to be thinking about you know um, what's going on in the labour market and you know why why do these families not have enough income?
0: There are yeah this is just a comment to make um, just sort of reflecting on the conversation and in in many ways. Obviously, education has been identified as one of the key things for social mobility. But there's also, I think, the argument saying that is too much emphasis, like being placed on schools as a vehicle for social mobility. Um, and arguably, the reason some of these households find themselves in this situation is that there are general issues in our economy. Um, you know, I'm just going to, you know, things something like a zero our contract, um, meaning that someone is not only on a low income, but maybe uh, a parent's having to work um, night shifts or whatever, not able to support their child while they're at home. And it's just like, work okay, you know, don't worry, schools are gonna be the, the key to this and to changing that person's life. But actually maybe it's just a fundamental um, issue with our economy or, or, or um, something that needs to change within our whole system. Um, that will allow then schools to have an even greater impact than they already than they already do. Um, we, given, given that we're in the pandemic, um, I think it would be worth just touching upon it. Um, and again, I'm not sure how much work you've done in this area, but I was just wondering um, what impact the pandemic has had on inequality in education and therefore what impact this could have on uh, social mobility going forward.
1: Yeah, um, well, the pandemic has really um, exacerbated the the existing inequalities that are in the education system. So there have been quite a few surveys of parents during lockdown that have tried to ascertain um, what's going on in the home learning environments for different kids and what kind of um, school provision children are getting. Um, whilst the schools are closed and that um, at least from the first lockdown that research has shown that um, from the school provision perspective there are quite big gaps in terms of um, what the kids are receiving so for instance um, one study found that almost three quarters of children attending private schools were receiving a full day of online learning compared to less than 40% of kids from state schools. And there are also significant uh, differences in parents' abilities to support their kids' education, uh, both in terms of, you know, like the amount of time they have available um, and also whether they have additional resources to spend on maybe private tuition. And then, Kind of stepping away from lockdown there's just the broader impacts of the pandemic on jobs on income mental health physical health which is which are all creating additional stresses for families um which as we talked about right at the start can can affect children's development and and their educational outcomes um and eventually their long-term outcomes and then at the same time um if you look at kids from well-off families those families are, are likely to have uh, protected jobs. Um, parents may have an educational background that allows them to help with schoolwork. And, and in those families, children are much less likely to fall behind. And so we're seeing um, kids who were already disadvantaged slipping behind further, um, which, which doesn't bode well for social mobility in the future, ultimately.
0: Great. Thank you, Elaine. Um, I just wondered, two, I've got two final questions for you. Um, but the first one was, what advice would you give to a young female economist thinking about either um, studying the subject at A-level, um, degree level, or even entering the profession?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think economics is a great subject um, because, you know, one of the main things about it is the, the breadth of, field and kind of what you can study and I think there is something in there that will interest everyone um and for me during my degree I think i really found the areas uh, that interested me by kind of seeking out further research um beyond my lectures and beyond the course materials and so I'd probably recommend trying to do um some actually you know exploring some of the economic researchers out there because it can be quite you know inspiring and it can really show you um beyond the curriculum that you're learning what economics can do and what it can what you can use economics for um, another i guess another piece of advice um maybe more oriented towards careers um is to kind of take up opportunities whenever they arise so I think um there may be times where there's something uh something you think you could apply for but um you you may not think you have a very good chance um in getting it and it may sound obvious but you're you're not going to succeed if you don't try and even if even if an application isn't successful um you would have had a very valuable experience in going through the process and that means that you know, next time you apply for something, you're going to have much higher chances of success. Lovely, thank you very much.
0: And then the final question, um, you know, you will have built your vision um, for a utopian economy under your undergraduate, postgraduate, and in your um, career. Would 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 you mind just sort of sharing that with us and just saying like, what would you like your ideal economy to look like?
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think kind of linking back to the pandemic, one of the things it's it's highlighted are the great inequalities in society, um, and also how many people aren't or don't feel valued uh, in the society. And so I think that uh, a key principle of any ideal economy would be um, inclusivity and. Making sure everyone has the ability to reach their full potential and to feel uh, to feel valued in the society um, as well as that I think having an economy that kind of works towards broader societal aims be it um, improving the well-being of the people or um, trying to address issues like climate change um, is particularly desirable over and above a kind of narrow pursuit of economic growth. Um, not to say that growth won't play a role because growth it can be very important for raising living standards and um, improving outcomes, but kind of making sure that growth is sustainable. Excellent. Thank you so much, Elaine. Um, it's
0: been an absolute pleasure speaking to you um, today. Um, yeah, and thank you very much for giving up your time to come onto the show. No problem. Thanks very much. Thank you all for listening to the show. Do reflect on your own childhood experience and how that has shaped your career and achievements to date. If you wish to share any thoughts on this episode, then give me a follow on Twitter on at MrWillHaines. That's at MrWillHaines. Next episode, I'm invited onto the show former student and senior health analyst. Abhishek Patel to discuss the impact of Covid-19 on healthcare services in the UK.